Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar. Hello from me, Richard Heller, in South London, where it's sunny, but it's a four-sweater day here in November. Um, I'm sorry that Peter cannot be with us again. He's still on assignment in the Middle East, uh, but we're very glad once again to be joined by our friend and colleague, Roger Alton. Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, yeah, my name's Roger Alton, and I'm in southeast London, too. Uh, well, it's quite nice. It's quite nice. Obviously better in your bit than mine. Roger, it's a um, real thrill to um, be joined by our guest today. Um, it was one of the most thrilling sights for us cricket watchers in the 1960s, wasn't it? To see our guest off his full run-up, uh, mm. something we'll, we'll never forget. Mm. It's a relief, though, to be facing our guest, Sir Wesley Hall, at, at this distance rather than at 20 yards, isn't it? <laughs> very much so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very so, much so. Sir Wesley, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Wes, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, you've just been made the subject of a fine biography on which you're cooperated by Paul Aykroyd. It's called um, Answering the Call, The Extraordinary Life of Sir Wesley Hall. I think it should have been renamed The Extraordinary Lives, plural, of Sir Wesley Hall, because there have been many, many different ones, haven't there, apart from cricket. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but um, I want to go sort of straight into your early life, Wes, um, you had a very, very strong upbringing by your mother, it records, right. and particularly records your very, very strong determination to get into Cumbermere High School, um, yes. which is a terrific cricket nursery. Uh, also nursed a lot of other very important talent, including Rihanna, didn't it? Yes, and Sir Frank World also. Oh, really? You probably forgot yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We've had uh, Dennis Atkinson. There's a long list of players who went to Cumbermere and played for West Indies. Obviously a, a terrific nursery of cricketers, um, but it was very important that in that period in the West Indies, the still colonial West Indies, wasn't it? It was very important to get into a good high school and then to play for all the right club, wasn't it, in club well, cricket? Well, I mean, see, in Barbados, you could only play for two, Empire of Spartan, uh, when you left school. Um, those were the days when they had um, four, four white teams, and um, I wasn't white, my, my great-grandfather was. But um, we, we, we could only play against two teams. Why? You had ten teams in the first division. And, you know, what happened is that you had Empire and Spartan, and then you had um, four white teams, and that's um, two, six, six, a police team, and three school teams. And that's the great thing about Barbados that um, you... You know, Clyde Walcott was 16 years old when he was playing first-class cricket. And uh, most of the boys at Combermere, they, you know, they came in to depend on the coach. And the, the, the well, not really a, a coach that, you know, actually paid for it. It would be a schoolmaster who who knew a bit about cricket. And uh, our man, Mr. Mr. Hughes, he, he thought that you should be two-dimensional. So if you're just a batsman, um, he wasn't too keen. He wanted to make sure he was before his time. This, um, you know, he'll be really good now, producing players um, that could play white ball cricket. And but he insisted that you had to be um, two dimensional. That school was a fantastic school. 
uh, in terms of um, the cricket, um, there was not a great amount of um, schoolboy cricket uh, against each other, but we are going to play against the men. So mm-hmm. you'll be 13 years, 14 years, and you're playing against test players. So that, it was a tough situation, but it was good for us. So Wesley, can I ask one thing? I mean, you started as a wicketkeeper batsman, didn't you? Um, and how, how did how did that happen? And when did people uh, when people see you were really you know you could be a great fast bowler, one of the greatest ever? Well, I I tell you what it happened. It's all luck. <laughs> yes, lady luck. Because I I was a batsman. I was the opening batsman. And then I was fifteen. I got big scores. I got. Um, you know, into the 90s about uh, twice in one season. And obviously, you would think you'll get into the, the, the first team. But as I said, you had to be two-dimensional. And he told me, as a batsman, you know, you'll, you'll probably get a bad streak sometime and you get dropped. So you need to be able to do something else. He said, you don't run very well, um, so you can't bowl. And I'm put to behind. <laughs> so he gave me, believe me, he said, um, you know, I'm going to give you a book behind the stamps by Godfrey Evans and you will be, you will be keeping next year. Really? So I took the book and wrote, read it from, you know, yeah. three and four times. And I turned up to face the first ball of Frank King, the West Indies fast bowler who was a curator at our school. And he played. And that is how I became a wicket keeper. And when I left school, I was 17 and... You know, I was well placed as a um, opening bat wicket keeper, and um, I was in the trials as a wicket keeper. And um, when I went to Cable and Wales, I, I went to work at Cable and Wales, and they had a very good side. Um, Peter Lashley, um, the bats, West Indies batsman, he was playing. He didn't play for keeper Cable and Wales. He played for Spartan. And um, you know, when the manager, an Englishman. He said to me, um, I noticed that you were playing for um, Spartan. I said, yes, sir. I, I really want to get on. And he said, that's all right. But the way he walked away, <laughs> I I really believed that it was a, not a threat, but I think he was very disappointed I wasn't playing. So I, I said no, and I played for Cameron Willis. And um, I, I went as a wicketkeeper batsman to Cameron Willis. Within three matches, our fast bowler did not come, not that he didn't come, he didn't get off duty at, at, at 12 o'clock, he was getting <laughs> off at 3, so the, the captain came to me and said, Rez, I'd like you to bowl a, a few balls, I said, but I've never bowled in a match in my life, I can't do that, I, I don't want to do it, and he said, well, um, could you just, you know, take off the shine off the ball then for me, <laughs> and he's a very decent man, so I said yes. I got seven for 25 and never came again. <laughs> so that's what happened. Um, but we were playing a team called Wonders, uh, a white team. And this guy came up to me and said, look, um, you know, I am only playing now today for fun and to look for, he said, I want to look for as much, as much many youngsters coming on and see how I can help them. So well, I'd like you to come down to Wonders side and bowl a few overs and I'll invite some of the real top grass people, you know, in that club. Um, it's a club where the, you know, the hierarchy was in. And I went there and um, bowled a few overs. And but the first two balls I bowled, it was a half wicket, like you know, that they they prepare it, but from one from one half. 
And when I delivered the ball, it went straight up into, you know, a good length ball, but it went straight into the coverings and it, it, it was singing. And they then told me that, um, thanks very much. I had a drink. And in about two weeks, I was playing against Swanton and <laughs> 11 um, without any um, coaching or anything like that. Didn't know very much about it, still running badly. And um, Colin Caldry was the first guy that, <laughs> that I would play bowling against. The first ball I bowled at him it was a beauty, and it, 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 it took his, his outer edge, and he got dropped. <laughs> well, I can only tell you that my analysis was one none for 110. <laughs> and serious baptism, really. And um, the thing that I talked about in the book, that um, I bowled a bouncer, or short-length ball. I mean, it was, to me, it was a bouncer, but to Tom Gridney, it was probably... Not much at all, and he hooked it. I never seen anything like that. He went, he went on the front foot instead of back foot, and he, he just hooked it, and it went straight into onto the scoreboard. Uh, I was so dejected, and he came down. And he says, "Youngster, don't worry about it. You've got a lot of talent. I'm watching you from the pavilion, but don't you worry. You'll be all right." You know, uh, uh, that was some consolation. But yeah. um, I was very glad to, to to hear him. They even speak to me actually, yeah. so that's happened. Yeah. And after that, I um, played in in a trial game. I got about four or five wickets. But they they actually played a, a guy that played with me at school. So I didn't play until that. And for, unfortunately, the West Indies team um, they weren't very too for the nineteen nineteen fifty seven. Partly, they were not satisfied with the team. So what they did, they they had uh, a, a session, and um, they invited me. God knows why. I I couldn't understand why. Um, I didn't do too well in the first match. Um, from the point of view, I didn't get a lot of wickets. I got one, I think. But in the second weekend, in the second inning, in the second match, Everton Weeks, who knew me quite well, he captained, and he looked after me. I got about four or five wickets, and when they were scoring, when they were picking the team, I made seventy-five. So that's how I got to England on that on that not on my bowling. I think it was on my batting. But I I, I was scared when I got to England. I, I did not know that because it was a twelve, they played twelve men in each team. That it was not a first-class match. So when I got there, I saw that my um, my record was one, uh, four runs and, and no wickets. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that tour to England, I don't think anybody really regarded me. It was a very troubled tour, wasn't it? That 1957 tour of the West Indies. They lost, lost the series 3-0. They were, wasn't very well captained. Uh, there were injuries to Weeks and, um, Weeks and Clyde Walcott. Um, yes. Alf Val- I'm reading about it in the book. Alf Valentine lost his rhythm completely and didn't destroy England again. Sonny Ramadan was sort of batted out, of, batted out of the game by May and Cowdery with very dubious yeah. tactics. Um, you weren't weren't selected for any of the five Test matches. But on a thing that detail that impressed me very much in the book, so Wesley, you you used your time deliberately to do a lot of sightseeing. You went to yeah. a lot of historic places on that England tour, yeah. deliberately. At Combermere, um, we, you know, I didn't learn much at all about the West Indies 
uh, or, or Barbados for that matter, um, the geography and the history. But uh, we did um, from first form to fifth form, um, the new groundwork of British history by Warner, Warner Mayer. And, you know, so I knew from Eric the Red to Mr. Churchill. So I, I had, you know, decided I wanted, when we got, to, when we went north, I, 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 I went to, I wanted to go into this, you know, I want to know where Lancashire and Yorkshire were, you know. <laughs> I, I wanted to, um, when we got to Hampshire, I wanted to go to that cathedral where Beckett was um, murdered and things like that, going to the, in the, in the, I was fascinated by the buses in London, uh, upstairs buses, you know, in the West Indies, we didn't have that. Um, going to the river and going down, um, having a sail and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to see the, the towers and I was only 19 and I wasn't going to get a game. So, you know, every time I went anywhere, a, a place of interest, all that I'd learned um, for, at Commonwealth, um, you know, um, we didn't have a national anthem, so we used to, you know, sing, uh, the, um, you know, God, God save the king or, or God save the queen, as the case may be. So, um, yeah, that first tour was a, uh, you know, a heartbreaker. Um, I returned home, um, you know, sort of dejected because oh. I found that I got 29 wickets in that match, in that, in that tour. But if you really look at it, 24 of them were, were men who made centuries. So that tells me, um, or anybody who, who cares, that um, I never bowled at the tail enders because, you know, the, 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 I would say that a good captain goes for his best bowlers at the tail enders. So they didn't think I would do it. In fact, when I returned home, they, some said that if I, if I lift up the 100, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bowl fast. I don't bowl well. And, um, of course, I had a very good mother who told me, you know, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission, Rez. Whatever you have to do, go and do it. I mean, if your run-up is no good, you deal with it, and I'll deal the rest with you. I'll keep you there. So I spent a whole year um, running four, five miles in the morning and five miles in the evening, and suddenly... Um, as Evan and Tony, I'm quite a big boy, but the muscles, you know, my muscles were not in the right um, condition. And um, he wanted me to deal with my glutes, deal with my shoulders and things like that. And after running 12 miles a day, uh, four days a week, in one year, I, I had, you know, wasn't um, big in terms of you know, being fat or anything like that, but I was muscular now. And um, then, then they met with me again in Jamaica, and I played for Barbados. And it's a wonderful thing when a selector is a cricketer and you could play against him. Alan Ray was the, you know, Alan Ray from 1950. Yes, yes. Alan did. Ray, fantastic yeah. batting, batting star, and he was opening. And when I bowled at him, he called the people and said, look, you need to get this boy to India. If you remember, um, Frank Whirl was at Manchester um, and he was doing his finals. 
So he couldn't go to the, to the team, and they decided to pick um, um, J.K. Holt as vice captain, and I went along. So that the team was picked six months before we were ready to go, so I, I continued training. And um, I went to India unknown, or nobody cared. And I, in the book, um, Roy Gilchrist, who had played, as you know, in, 19, in, in the 1947 tour in England, and played in the test matches, he told me at the last match before the test match, I didn't play any others because they had to play the other fa the fast bowlers that they had picked before me like Atkinson and Les, um, Taylor and, and Gilchrist. Those were the other three fast bowlers. So I played with Gilly, and he told me, why don't you go around the wicket and let me go over the wicket? I said, what is the significance of that? He said to me, you know, well, I didn't go to school a lot like you guys, but I'm telling you, um, if you go around the wicket on, on this wicket, and you bowl big outswingers. He said, I'll be coming from the next end, and I'll be bowling in swingers. And they're going to be confused because they're very fast, you know? And I wasn't too pleased about that, but I hmm. did it. <laughs> and we got about 12 or 13 wickets between the two of us. So they had to play me in the test. So I jumped <laughs> over everybody and, and played in the test and got a few wickets there. But by the second match, I got 13 wickets and got... 30 wickets in the whole season. So when I got back, people in Barbados did not even know I was a fast bowler. It was, it was, it was funny, tell you the truth. So Wesley, how did you enjoy India and Pakistan? You obviously did very well. It's, and they're difficult places for fast bowlers, as we all know. Yes, that is so true. But, you know, I, I learned a lot in, in those two, um, those, when I went to England and certainly in India. Um, you know, people complain about their food. They complain, and most teams bring their own um, sausages and things like that. And the truth about it is that having gone to a great place like India, like England, and didn't do well, wasn't particularly, um, you know, considered. And now I'm in India. Um, it's a little tough, but I, I did well for the first time I bowled. And then had a, a serious, had a, a real good, a good tour. 30 wickets as a rookie is pretty good, you know. And I enjoyed, it's funny, you know, it's a tough tour. Um, I decided to eat what they gave me and, um, you know, drink what I had to drink. And I didn't let the food or anything like that bother me. And I, I got, um, I had a fantastic tour. So there you are, great England, everything is well, good food, you know, you can go to um, all the places that you need to go to. And in India, you, you don't go anywhere, <laughs> you know, you, you don't go anywhere really, you know. But I loved it because, not because I'm selfish or anything like that, but I started to get wickets, you know, and I, I, I really understood how to bowl now. You know, I started very slowly and I, I, I realized that my balance had to be right. And I, I, I went back a bit. Instead of bowling from 18, I started to bowl from about, about 30 and then went a bit further because 
I found out that I couldn't really get to top speed mm. unless I had gone about 30 yards. Mm. And that is, that is why, please understand that it would be stupid to, to go so far if it's a style. <laughs> you know, I just really, if I, if, if my, when I get to my 18, my 18 foot, um, that thing that I have there, uh, to, you know, um, to, to guide me. When I got there, when, when I realized that I'm, I've got the rhythm, the rhythm, well then, you know, I'm going to bowl at the, the six meter goal. And, um, that means it's going to be just short of a lane. If I, I'm not too happy when I get there, I would try not to let them hit me for four, but I would go, I would, I'd probably try and pitch it up, um, but I don't want to be pitching up too soon. So that is what happened between those two tours. So it's just a matter of you're a good country, everything is good, the food is good, the people are good, and you're not, you're miserable because you, you're not getting anything out of it. Nobody is really, you know, I, haven't, I, I never had a coach, so I just had to do it myself. And Freddie Truman, in the first, in the test match, at, um, in the second test match, I had got a few, a few wickets at Yorkshire the week before, and he was amazed that I was not in the team. I was in my suit, and he said, are you going to change? aren't you going to change? I said, well, I'm not playing, and he can understand it. And I, I thought Freddie Truman is a fantastic bowler and a good judge, so I wasn't too, you know, perplexed after that. Fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Well, you had a very strong relationship with um, with Frank Worrell, didn't you, at the, um, yes. through your career? And um, just after that tour of India, the, there's a big campaign underway to make Worrell captain, wasn't there? Um, he was very much the player's choice, and um, it was very much connected, wasn't it, with the you know the politics of the West Indies at the time, the independence movements, the anti-colonial yeah. movements, and so on. Just first of all, were you sort of involved in that campaign personally yourself to make him captain? Not really. Um, yeah. The thing, the thing is that um, I, I posit the view that when Alexander Alexander was made captain, and after his third match, he he only played two Test matches uh, after his, in his third match. Because if you remember in England, uh, can I get the wicket for first, um, first, second, and third Test? He came in. And uh, when the tour was over, he was made captain. Mm. And um, Frank Whirl did not go to India. And that was his uh, first, first tour. And the thing is that what people do not know is that it was sort of very embarrassing to Captain Whirl. Whirl is such a, uh, you know, so well-known and far as... Um, cricket knowledge and things like that. And I, I really believe that although C.R.L. James started that, that um, you know, he, he read, um, you know, about words and people start to think about it and, and were very vociferous about it. But um, the thing that is not known is that Alexander himself found it very difficult the captain in the world. <laughs> and he was quite willing to stay down. And um, the board said no. And then, um, you know, 
he he captained the team uh, up to India. So yeah, um, there was C.R.L. James. You probably know of mm. him. He's a, um, a great writer, and um, there was this um, you know feeling, uh, not more than a feeling. People were very serious about it that Worcester captained the team. But um, what I'm saying is that after a while, um, Alexander knew that World would be the best man for the team. But I, it, it was not necessary for the players to, you know, um, do anything. He, he was best man at your wedding, Sir Wesley, was he not? He was, yes. So Frank World, to me, you know, was a father figure. Yeah. Um, very people know uh, what his philosophy was in terms of the team. When we went to Australia in 1960, Frank World only called three team meetings, three team meetings in five months. And his door was always open to the players. There is nothing under the skies that could happen to you as a player that you could not go to the captain and say. He, he said that, you know, he wanted the guys to play attractive cricket. He was not interested at all in dull cricket. We had actually finished, we had just gone to Australia after the English um, had gone to Australia in 1959. And if you really look at that, you remember um, Bailey uh, played an innings of, I tell you, it was so long, it wasn't funny. And then um, the opening back for Australia, he, he, he did the same thing. And so cricket seemed to be on the death row. And um, not only Worrell, but Benno and Sir Don Bratman, who was the chief selector. Yeah. And they both decided that the teams would play attractive cricket. And in those six matches, to tell you the truth, there were, you know, you, any side could have won. Mm -hmm. um, and there were five very good matches. So that, uh, to answer your your, your your quick query, um, no, I didn't have to, to do that. The team themselves did not know. We knew what would happen. And then in, in, that, in that very, very series, um, you'll find that Alexander kept the kick brilliantly on the world, and he actually scored 502 runs, mm. you know. So uh, there was a, 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 a guy who was upset that he wasn't captain. He was relieved that to have um, a man of such quality captain him. And that was his last tour. So it was, you know, it was a good ending. Yeah. Would you, so, so Wesley, can I ask you, the, you the, that was, was that the the, uh, the tour where you bowled the famous uh, last over and the, and the tied test? Yeah. Um, How did that go? Well, well, I was pleased about that tour. First of all, I got 50 runs, and um, I know that I had more or less neglected my batting, and but it is not easy batting number 9 or 10, and uh, or even if you bat 9, the two behind you, you know, um, you might think that if you get out, there's a hat trick coming up. <laughs> but the point, the point I, when I tell them that, they were very upset, but that's how I felt. At the time, <laughs> and um, I I got that fifty, and mm -hmm. then the last day we gave them two hundred and thirty, I think it was to 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 make, and 
I got the first four wickets. I'm lucky, you know, I bowled well. That pitch at, is not good for a test was not, um, you know, conducive to great fast bowling. You, you had to work very hard, work very hard to get. I got those four wickets and we were winning. I mean, the, you, we had them, you know, on the, on, on, really on, on in the back foot. And, um, Benno and they're on the fast ball of Alan Davidson. Yes, they put on, oh, I think about 150. And he he bowled very well in that second last over. And the last over, they needed um, six runs to win in eight balls. Now, Australia, uh, the fast bowler is terrible. You know, you bowl, if you bowl two no balls, well, you have to bowl ten. Yeah. So, so when, <laughs> the, the thing is that Grout was batting, and he, he was at the batsman's end, and um, it was obvious to all of us that Benno, who was 52 not out, would like the first in the first ball to get a single. Uh, and I, so I decided I would try to bowl as quickly as I could. I bowled this very fast ball, and it beat, it, beat him and hit him in the groin, and I, I think he was in so much pain, he wasn't inclined to run. Yeah. Benno was was nearly next to him, you know. He wanted to be at the, the batting end, and the ball was only in front of the batsman, so nobody is an, is, is near. You know, we've got men in the slips, we've got men, you know, um, not not very near, and um, they got the single. Now Benno, now obviously um, with six five runs to get, he wants to get a. It, it was clear. Everybody knew that. He wants to get a boundary. So Frank came up to me and he said, well, whatever you do, guys, don't bowl a bouncer. You know, I said, oh, okay, um, thanks, Skipper. I wouldn't do that. I'll never bowl a bouncer if you tell me not to. You know that. <laughs> so I walked back. And the, what I told you earlier, when I got to the 10-meter to the site, I, it looked as if I was, you know, floating. That happens to you when you when your rhythm is right, you know. When your rhythm is right with fifth, with ten yards to go, you feel you know very very good. And as I said, if I am in that mood where when I get to the ten meter mark, and I am not going to give him a drive, I am going to bowl it short. And I came up, I felt very good after being bowling for a long, long time. I think it was my 30th over or something like that. And I bowled this bouncer. And Bello was a little, you know, unsettled. And he just pushed the bat at it. And it hit the, uh, not very high in the bat, but in the middle. And it still rose very high. Um, men balls are very fast. So they tend to not die. They tend to, you know gather speed and Alexander went high in the air and pulled it down and I ran to him and says good and the skipper came running I said skipper we've got him we've got him he said what did I tell you I said I don't remember I really don't remember the man is out he said but do you let me remind you he said if that ball had got an inch higher in the back where would it have gone I said, well, Alexander had to dry, jump very hard to get it. So it would have gone over. He said it would have gone for four or maybe six. <laughs> and he says, how many runs would they have to, to make then? 
I said, I don't even know that I just came <laughs> I was so upset. I was discombobulated. I tell you, I've never seen anything yet. Yeah. I get a vacate, and the captain is reminding me that, you know, that I disobeyed him. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I, I, I love Frank Ward, the way he, he, he managed the team, the way he lived, everything. So I, you know, came down to, um, you know, instead of being up in the sky, I was on, on land this time. And he, he realized that I was a bit upset. And the next ball, to be honest with you, I was trying, yes, but somehow that power did not come and it went down the leg side and um, the wicketkeeper um, tried to run him out my side. I caught the ball and I don't think I was more than three feet from the from the, from the the wicket and I threw the ball and I missed by a yard. I've never <laughs> seen anything. I had no, no chance at all. And to make matters worse, Valentine is not the greatest feeler, as you know. He was backing up, and he he saved four runs. I mean, it would have gone to the boundary. And I was so, you know, it really had me. But then, if you're a top-class cricketer, you can't let one ball or even a one-over uh, stop you from what you, you need to do. And then a ball, a ball to um, Wally Grout, I knew he was trying to, you know, rattle me. And I bowled this ball to him and he 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 went too early. In fact, it was a slow ball. And he hit hit the ball too too late. And when he when he when he got the connection, it went high, high, high in the air. And you know, somehow I didn't see anybody <laughs> going for it. And I took off. I mean <laughs> It's nearly impossible. I've seen it. I could cry. Yeah. I'm bowling. I'm going off to the, to the offside. And then it's in the air, high in the air. And I didn't see anybody. And I went there. When I got there and it hit into my hands, the reason why I didn't see anybody is that Kanai was standing up under it for about five seconds waiting for it to come down. Yeah. And therefore, when I got there, the ball came into my hand, but my, my elbows hit um, his head and knocked the ball out of my hand and gone about 15 yards further. So I had to run behind that. And he came back and I said to, to, to Ron Khan, I said, Ron, the good Lord has gone and left us. Mm. And what he told me um, at that time, it wasn't complimentary to my mother nor father. So <laughs> I, 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 I said, well, look, what you say is true. Because I, I didn't know. He said, well, you got to pick up now. And so to go back now and bowl the next two balls was really hard, you know? And um, I bowled the, the, the third last ball, because eight overs, and they got a single. McKiff hit, I don't know what, McKiff was not the type of player that could bat better than, you know, my sister if I had one. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I thought that, you know, well, I've got now six wickets, you know, I've got, I've got four more, five, I've got five wickets and two tailenders. So, hey, I can get, you know, I, I can get six wickets in this match. And 
I came up and I bowled the ball, and I bowled a slow one because I, I think he was going to try to, you know, if he doesn't get me in the covers, he wants to get me through, through slip um, to get four. He wanted four to win the game. And when he did that, the ball, that, when that ball went up, now the run, one, the run, one, run. And the next ball now, I ball to McKeith. And I don't know what happened. McKeith just hit across the ball. It was like middle stump. And he just, like how you see these fellas playing now in the, in the franchises, they hit it from anywhere, from left to right, or from off the leg, all sort of shot. That shot went really out. It nearly went for four runs. They actually said that the groundsman did not um, cut the grass on that day. It would be four runs. And they ran, they ran, tried to run three, and um, he got run out. Grout got, got run out. So now, Klein comes in, and this is this, the seventh ball. And Frank Merrill called me. He says, well, Wes, um, this is the last batsman. And um, I know you can do it. I, I'm sure you can do it. But what I want you not to do, do not bowl a bunk, uh, do not bowl a, a no ball. <laughs> because if you bowl a no ball, you're not going to live in Barbados again. <laughs> they wouldn't want you. And, you know, I, I, found out, I, I looked at it. I said, look, you, were, you, you know, you were right. You're right. So I came home with this ball. I put my right foot a good, um, normally I try to get as close as possible to the crease, but this one was about at least six to eight inches. I made sure I wasn't, I wasn't going to be remembered by the idiot who bowled the last ball. And um, I pitched up the ball, but he, he then said, before that, he said to me, um, you know what I've told you all guys, you know, when you see me, when you see me uh, set my field, keep your eyes on me. If Frank told you, go to the right, you know, and you go to the right, you have to keep your eyes on him because he might then move you again as he turns back. So he, he told Solomon, Joe, Joe, come around, come around to square, come a little square, you know, and the batsman looked around and see him going square. And I went down to my run, and um, the batsman did not see that Joe Solomon moved back where he was. And when I bowled the ball, it went uh, back to the square, and Joe Solomon ran around and saw a wall stump and hit it. And then, <laughs> that's, where, that's where the history is. Amazing. Yeah, so it was fantastic. The two teams stayed there till 10 o'clock that night. They had dinner. The dinner was summoned from the hotel, and yeah. the teams did not leave till 10 o'clock. And yeah. that is what great cricket is. Well, That's what happened to that. It must have been fantastic. Mm. Yes. Mm. It's a mate script, Wesley, but you almost rewrote it three years later, didn't you? Um, at Lords, You bowled another over in which any result was possible, wasn't it? Yeah. The, di the difference, I've never bowled a bouncer to tell again. In my, in, my, in my life. I have never bowled a bouncer until I got 200 and what, 290 wickets. It could have gone another 40 if I had bowled bouncers at tailenders. And um, it happened twice. It happened in the fourth test match at Adelaide when um, we 
were winning and Klein and Mackay put on 80. Sobers got the ball and he walked off, or walking off, and the umpire gave him not out. And they, 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 they batted um, for about an hour and a half. And the last ball I bowled was a bouncer to Slasher Mackay. <laughs> Slasher, he didn't want to play because he had the men around the wicket. He didn't want to play and he took it in his stomach. <laughs> oh. Ooh, wow, <laughs> that's taking one for the team. Yes. Uh, yes, and he went down on the ground. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was that, he said to me, you, you have to come and play at my club in, in, in Queensland. And, you know, he felt very good that he could actually draw that match. But the match you are talking about is the match now in England. Yes? Yeah. Um, yes. Caudry had come up, come back out. I remember he he came out as last man. And young Allen was was batting. And I could... Colin walked straight to him. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what he would be telling he obviously told him, look, just, you know, just play out these six balls. You know, I, I don't want to go up there with a broken hand. And um, just, and you know, six runs away, that's not on. So Colin told him that. I'm sure that's what he did. And um, he, the batsman, he just played that and he played and missed a few. And, but it was the whole match uh, in at Lord's was... I wouldn't say it was greater than the Titus, but for me, uh, as a, a bowler, I think that was my best, um, my best effort. Um, all right, I, I got nine wickets in the in the uh, in the Titus, and you know could have got another two, um, but that test in, in the last day, you remember, I bowled from ten minutes past um, two to about six. Uh, on uh, on change, mm. uh, but Charlie Griffith bowled the same thing except for three wickets, for three except for three overs, and when you consider that the three overs were bowled by Lance Gibbs, with batsmen not particularly wanting to 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 you know run, well then Lance Gibbs bowled over in, in two minutes. So by the time you look up, tell me bowl and walk up to long leg. <laughs> I turn around. Lance Gibbs is already there, and in in a minute or two, he he's finished. You know, so I thought that that day was my best day, and um, I was sorry that Colin Cudgee was injured. The ball just flew off a good length and um, broke his hand really, and uh, I did not like hitting people. Um, it's true. And um, I felt that, um, you know, when batsmen get hit in the head, um, it's, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And I felt that if I hit good batsmen, well, what would happen if I bowl a bouncer at, at 90 miles an hour? They say I bowl at 90 miles an hour, but the, the thing I would like to see some scientists look at the overs again and tell people what, what speed you bowl at, because anybody can bowl a good a uh, very fast ball. But then you can bowl fast balls at four o'clock in the evening. Well, then I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're worthwhile. But, what was um, the secret, Sir Wesley, to your stamina with your very long run out bowling for 
nearly four hours of a spell. I mean, extraordinary things. Nobody can do it now. Was it well, that run, all that <laughs> running you did? Well, yeah, but Paul is the one that um, actually, um, you know, he he, he actually um, told me what he thought. And I, I said, you know what? That's true. What happened? My, my grandmother was very strict and didn't like the idea of my brother and I leaving early to school to play cricket for an hour or so. And um, the story was that I, I put the clock forward and then nobody put it back. So, you know, <laughs> in the evening she was there ready and she would come and embarrass us by making us, come on, come on, get out of here. And we decided we live at our mother instead of our grandmother. <laughs> but my grandma, my mother lived um, in St. Lawrence and um, I took Paul and showed him where it was. We had to walk to Worthing View, well, that was about a mile, and then catch a bus and go to near the, the race course and then walk to school. And then Paul, <laughs> Paul said, do you realize you guys walk seven miles a day? I said, I didn't know that. But that's what my brother and I did to get to school, uh, just to live with our mother. And uh, we, and I think, I think going at that stage, you only what um, ten, uh, nine and ten, and you you doing that sort of thing, um, you you know you get pretty fit. I think that's it because um, you know when I really went to England and then came back home. It was very extensive of what I was doing. You know, 10, 10, 10 miles a day is not easy. So I suppose that was it. Um, so, a combination between what I did earlier and then I found it not very hard to train. Some people just don't train because they don't like it. It's not easy to train, you know, around five miles, five miles in the morning and five miles in the afternoon. That's not easy. That, I would think that was my stamina. I mean, it's such a fascinating thing. But I, can I ask a tiny bit about Accrington? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I, yeah. I, I read a, a, an article um, uh, in the Daily Mail uh, some years ago about your return to Accrington oh, in yes. about 2017. It's the most yes. moving piece where you meet a lot yeah. of your old friends there and colleagues. I found it a very affecting piece indeed how was it for you when you went back well it was as you say it was you know i don't know i it was the, one of the best times of my life actually um my the a guy that was the fast bowler at, um, when i was in accrington he was very ill and um when i got there i went to visit the ground and then I went to see him at his home. He had come to the West Indies, to Barbados actually, uh, about six or about 10 years before that. And I had the privilege of taking him around Barbados. You know, we're not very big, but at least he was he saw the side and he was um, a very good uh, medium pace bowler. And, you know, if you're pro and you're bowling- Jimmy Land, is that the guy? Jimmy Land, yes. Uh, Jim was a nice boy. And when I got there, he wasn't speaking at all. He wasn't saying much. And um, I went, I sat in the same chair as him. They had two chairs. I said, I don't want to, I, I want to sit down next to him. I, went, well, I sat down next to him, I hugged him. And I said, listen, I'm going to come back and see you next year. But I want you to know that you were a very good bowler. And, you know, had it been, had it not been for, 
your your accuracy and putting the other putting the batsman who looking to you know to get his runs off the amateur he they can do it with him and he he said and he spoke and he he spoke to me and his wife and the, and the kids were amazed it's amazing he 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 spoke he said yes that's right and when they told him come say yes you come back and everybody who knew that he wasn't talking and you know they were well not sad but tears of joy if that's a, a, a you know a, a thing but um I tell you, I mean, I, I felt very, very good about that. Going back to Accrington, I had three years in Accrington. I got 100 wickets every year. We won the cup. And um, I wanted to do that because when I first went to Accrington, everybody was talking about Harry Llewellyn, Harry Llewellyn, Harry Llewellyn. I said, well, who's Harry Llewellyn? Oh, he was a pro in 1912. I said, oh, mm-hmm. what he did? He, oh, he won cup. I said, oh, so... <laughs> All right. I said, well, you know, 50 years from now, you're going to win, you, you'll be talking about Wes Hall because I'm <laughs> going to win that cup too. So, Appleton was really, you know, the love of my life in terms of cricket. And I just love that place. I like living in Accrington. Uh, I am the only black man there. And the people, you know, were so good to me. And um, the, the, the other thing, the team that I played with, they were young. So the three years I was there, I was able to, you know, get them understanding cricket, you know, um, not just have a, a good a good coach and you are dependent on him to win every game. Oh, no. Um, you know, we had David Lloyd. I wanted him to play when he was 12 years old because that's how I was brought up. At 12 years old, you should be playing with big people, you know. And they wouldn't play. And really, that's one of the reasons why I left because... I said, no, no, you know, I, I, I want to see these youngsters come out. They had another leg spinner um, oh there, and he was as good as anybody I've seen his age, you know, and I thought that he should play for Lancashire. And um, there were quite a few guys who had a tremendous ability at Accrington, but I insisted my contract was not that I should coach three times a week or anything like that. But because I had a very young side, I, I coached um, twice a week and go back on the Friday to make sure everything was okay. You know, and I find that if you do that, you'll get a lot of cooperation from, 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 from the players. And, you know, the pro has to be the pro. When we played against Gilchrist, um, I, I got 10 wickets in that game and bowled them out for about 90. But you see, 90 is a lot of runs when Gilchrist is bowling. Mm-hmm. And the captain came to me and said, look, Wes, you know, um, the, the, the boys don't want to face Gilchrist. Would you open? I said, of course I'll open. And I put on the pass. Gilchrist saw me coming down the stem. He said, oh, Wes, why are you opening? I said, yes. He said, you're a hero, right? I said, yes, I'm going to beat you today. He said, well, all heroes are dead. <laughs> he said, all heroes are dead. And then I took some blows. He bowled me all, a lot of bouncers, hit me quite regularly, but walking off. He come and put his hands around me and says, boy, thank you very much for the game. And I'll tell you something, the dinner's on me tonight. So, and, you know, it's how you treat him. Now, people thought he was a rogue, but he was a very nice man. You know, it's how you treat him because he believed 
that everybody's going to treat him badly because he wasn't very well educated. But big education does not necessarily make you an, a judge at cricket. Some people who play cricket and did not go very far in school have that, you know, have that, that gift. And he was one like that. So Wesley, what's clear from from is how much they loved you in, in Accrington. They absolutely loved yes, you. Yeah. It's a lovely thing to read. Yeah, when I when I got there the first day, I, I walked down um I walked down the street car. I lived with an old gentleman, an old lady, and it was, you know, I'm I'm only twenty or nineteen twenty. And that's that's a bit hard, you know. Uh, there are no kids in the house, they're just two elderly people. But I loved them. They were really, very good. I was going down the first day, and I saw this little fella, and he ran back into his home, and he said, Mommy, Mommy, a black man is walking down the road. <laughs> so I turned around, and I, 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 I pressed the button, and she was very reluctant to come out. <laughs> this big black man going to her door. I said, Come in, there. And she came out, and I says, um, Look, my name is Wes Hall. All right? I'm, 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 I'm the the pro um, at Accrington, and I'm going down to my first session here now. I, I I heard your little boy say that a black man is out here. Now listen, black man is a very well-known name in Barbados. Black man. <laughs> I said my central governor of the bike is a black man, but my name is Wesson. I want him to accompany to Accrington to come and play cricket as he grows. <laughs> she was so shocked. Sure. Oh. She didn't even know what to say. And then, and then she said, yes. And that little boy used to walk me right down at Critter Road to the And he was only about eight. So by my last tour, he was there at the ground, you know, and, and, and playing in the junior side. It is really fascinating when something could happen to you. And I just love at Critter. Uh I can't say I don't know why. I know why. They treated me well. And I loved, the, I had a young team, and, um, well, I was very, um, you know, you know who as all was, the only black guy in, in Accrington. So I, I just loved the people there, you know, I just loved, loved the people there. So I suppose, you know, when you, you, you start, uh, and Accrington was my first place in England, I had three years there, and then I had three tours, and then one tour as a manager. So that in my whole cricket career, um, a lot of it has been in England, more so than any other country. Mm. Well, England loves That's, you. They, they certainly do. There's enough fear. We've, we've run out of time, even even if we yeah. have a few no balls, I'm afraid, we've, yeah. uh, and a few extra deliveries. We've got to run out of time. So I'm just going to say once again, book... The book about you is called Answering the Call by yes. Paul Aykroyd. Um, absolutely wonderful stories in there, and I'm sorry we couldn't um, um, get on to the um, wonderful meeting you had at Lord's um, with Muhammad Ali. Um, yes. Um, and it's a meeting which every sports lover in the world would like to have been a witness to. Yeah. Um, and there's so well, much I mean, more. Uh, yeah. What about um, Ali was fantastic, but, um, you know... Mandela, you mm. know, oh. if you read about that, that's pretty fantastic. That's pretty special too. You know, another great people, boxer, another great know. boxer, of course, Nelson yes, Mandela. Yes, yes. and yeah. um, in his youth, I, yeah. I was very pleased to, um, you know, meet these great men. 
Thank you very, very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a wonderful hour. Um, Thank you so much. It has been yeah. my pleasure. And may yeah. God bless both of you. Thank you. Thank it's you. a privilege to talk to you, sir. Thank yes, you. Indeed. And just one more bit of housekeeping I must do. A uh, very, uh, very important one. This is the week, the Big Give Week, and we always put out an appeal for the MCC Foundation. Uh, we'll put up a link to it. This is the week in which all donations to the MCC Foundation, the charitable wing of the MCC, are doubled. And um, uh, this year, all donations will be helping uh, the wonderful Alsama Project in Lebanon, which we've covered many times in the podcast. Uh, the opportunities it gives to... Um, war-damaged children uh, to play cricket out there in Lebanon. And it also uh, supports um, cricket for um, children, uh, deprived children in England. A very, very good cause. And um, as I say, in this week, all donations to it are doubled. But for now, it has to be goodbye for me, Richard Heller. It's still cold, um, in, uh, but sunny in South London. And good, goodbye from me, Roger. I'd much rather be in Barbados. And thank you very much, sir, for a fascinating, fascinating yeah. talk. Thank you. Thank you, sir.